Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. Okay, so I am really thrilled to be interviewing Arthur Bodie today. And we were both in Hello Hollywood in 1980. And I, we could go into this why you could work in a show, never know the person. But we had a really great conversation at the Hello Hollywood Hello reunion a couple years ago. And I just remember being fascinated by your story and also started following your um, conditioning uh, teaching on your page. I'm like, I need to find out more about Arthur. So I was so excited that you said yes to an interview because you have a perspective that I would love to um, share with people. So if you would maybe tell us a little bit about your dance training growing up, like where you grew up, what drew you to dance, and then kind of the process that takes you to go to Vegas to audition for a show. Like that's an interesting path for a dancer. Yeah. Well, as far as everything, let's start at the beginning. First of all, like I mentioned, I've always wanted to dance. I knew I wanted to dance. This was just natural. It's like breathing for me. It's what I wanted to do. Um, growing up in the Bahamas, um, it's very traditional. You know, your mother's going to say, go to school, get a job, get married, have kids, and that's it. I wanted to dance. So, uh, since my mother wasn't going to pay for it and not even behind me on it, as soon as I was able to, when I started working, I started working really early, like around, like I said, 14, somewhere around there. I started working and at the same time I started paying for my own dance, ballet dance lessons. At the same time I put myself through ballet school. Okay, I paid it myself, made it myself. So anyway, I worked with this great lady, I'm still in touch with her now, called Lois Seiler. And she's uh, out of Pennsylvania. And she was my very first <coughs> ballet teacher. And uh, so I learned ballet, jazz, and uh, character dance from her uh, for about six years. And then um, from there, oh, during this time, we did a whole lot of shows in the community. We did a whole lot of, you know, uh, shows on stage, musicals, uh, little shows all over the community from her school. Her school presented, you know, shows like most schools do, okay? And anyway, I do remember one that I really loved because I still remember Blackbeard and the Chick Charties. It was a musical that was created. We danced in it. We did all of a twist, all these kind of things. It's like, it was great. Anyway, after six years, um, we had to decide, I had to decide what I was going to do because like, that's it. Okay. Uh, she can't teach me anymore. What am I going to do now? Where am I going to go? It's an island. There isn't much happening, especially for ballet. Okay. And um, I think I mentioned also that her husband was the uh, director for a, show, for a casino, uh, artistic director for a casino at the time called El Casino. I doubt that's still there. And in this casino shows, they had the kind of style show that we had, like with Hello Hollywood Hello, but on a much smaller scale. I mean, you know, not. Anyway, I did uh, two shows there. And at the end of the last one, there was nothing left for me to do and nowhere to go. So I left. I left looking for work elsewhere. Went to Florida, Miami, they had things going on there. Looking for work. Tried to audition for different shows. Looking for anything that would keep me dancing. But not just, oh, by the way, I never wanted to be a starving artist. 
this whole thing right. also about starving artists. I, what the heck is that all about? <laughs> you know, am I going to train all my life to go starve on the streets? What the hell is that? Uh-uh. I trained because if I did go into this thing, it was to make money, make a living, not to starve on the streets. Yay. Get that straight. That far. <laughs> I never did go into the starving artist thing. And uh, so, yeah, I was looking for a job as a dancer that I trained to be. And, uh, I mean, I did other jobs on the way because, hey, black, 60s, uh, okay? Yeah. So, um, yeah, going from Florida, the first place I stopped was somewhere in Miami where I think they had a casino there. I don't remember what it was, but I tried there, forget it, then I kept moving on. I remember going to Missouri, going up to Texas, stopping in Texas for six months, running out of money, and... Um, and then working in oil fields for a while and then moving out of there. Yeah, because I was like this. I had put on muscle. I was triple my size working in the oil fields. I had to lose muscles to go back into dancing. Oh, wow. I mean, triple this size. It's like heavy duty work in the oil fields, okay? I made some good money there. Landed in uh, California. Did some telephone messaging, um, sales there for a while. I'm cutting everything short here. Uh, even drove a cab for a while, yellow really? cab for a while. Huh. Oh, yeah, I remember driving a yellow cab in California. That was interesting. Yeah, okay. Anyway, <laughs> one evening, I got sick of all of that, cutting it all short, got sick of all the struggle there. I needed to get back to dance. So I took a bus. I remember one rainy night from Hollywood, California, $10 in my pocket to go to Vegas. Oh, yeah. Wow. Did you move there so, or did uh, yeah. Wow. Huh? On 10 bucks, you moved to Vegas. In those days, in those days uh, you know, I wasn't afraid of anything. I, I was going like, if you yeah. want something, you got to go get it. You, if you're waiting till you were rich, I was never rich. If I had to wait till I was rich to make, I would never have moved. I would never have gotten anywhere. I wouldn't be where I am today. So I just went. Okay. I said, I'm healthy. I'm young. I can make it. And I remember doing that. And I remember on the bus, I met some guy that was going to Vegas also. So we split a hotel room the night we arrived. <laughs> we split a hotel room. His, uh, his, my tent and his tent, something we had enough for a room that night. It was cheap in those days. Yeah. And the next day we parted, we parted ways. Okay. And I remember I went, where did I go? After that I went and I went, yeah. I, went, I needed a job right away. I needed a job as soon. I needed a job, guys. Like, I just got there. Where the hell am I going to go? I have nowhere to sleep. Nothing, you know? So my first job in Vegas, believe it or not, was like walking around cleaning the floors at Circus Circus Hotel, Casino. That was my very first job, cleaning up the floors. So could, yeah, it was like I had to have a job, okay? Couldn't be without work. And I did that. I think that might have lasted a couple of days only because... I had left the hotel room. I had no money, nowhere to sleep, nothing. Okay, so with the, I remember sitting up, I don't know how I did this, but I remember sitting up at the slot machine all day and working in a hotel at night. I don't remember the details. I didn't sleep for about two or three nights. Oh, I man. had nowhere to sleep. I had a job, yeah. but I had nowhere to sleep. And I remember even asking my boss, uh, could I have an advance or something like that? Nah. He said, the only way you're going to get any money is by quitting. So, guess what? I have to quit to get some money. <laughs> okay, I quit the job. And then I think uh, when I did that, it was my birthday at the time. I remember it was my birthday because 
I was feeling kind of like alone and nowhere on my birthday, sitting in front of this slot machine. And then I ran into these girls. They were like high-class call girls, <laughs> you know. And we got to talking, and they must have found me interesting. They said if I wanted to crash at their place for the night, I could do that. Isn't that nice? That's I could wonderful. Crash there? Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. This, this yeah. has happened to me so often in my life. There, you cannot imagine. And then, uh, so yeah, I, uh, I was walking. I remember walking over to their house, uh, to their place. They gave me the address, and then some guy came out of the alley. This is strange, also, with a joint in his hand, and they asked me who wanted a puff. I'm going like, wow, it's my birthday. I got nothing, and look at this. They're offering me a joint. This is great, you know. <laughs> so yeah, I puffed. You know, it was laced with PCP. <gasps> Oh wow! Welcome I to Vegas. I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> oh, I man. swear, Sherry, that night I went on a trip you cannot imagine. And these these two girls' place, I made it to their place, but I was tripping all night, tripping, psychedelic thing all night at their place. It was like I'll never forget that. <laughs> okay, so sorry about that. The cat decided to pull out the. Right. I had to I had to hide the cat toy because it was getting really Like cheap. I said, it's quite so, all right. That's normal. Right. Anyway, that is how I that is how I arrived in Vegas, okay? Wow. And uh, I'll tell you a story short again. Huh? I said PCP and hookers. <laughs> Can you believe that? But that really happened. Yeah. My birthday. I don't remember which birthday. I was still in my 20-something, whatever. But I remember that night vividly. Okay. Yeah. So, anyway, the next day, I found myself in a in a dress hairdresser salon at the what's the name of that hotel at the end of the ship that was torn down oh i think they're all torn down <laughs> the no, tropic one at the end of the ship that was very famous the tropic the dunes, I think, or something. oh the dunes yeah 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 i remember that's torn down but that uh, that was there at the time and i remember i was there with a friend of these girls who was like having his hair done at the salon at that time and I went and I was waiting for them to come out. And that's when I met, oh, I was married four times, by the way. That's when I met my second wife. She was sitting waiting for a friend also in the seat next to me. And we got to talking, astrology. We met, and we kind of never left each other. Wow. That, <laughs> uh, that was Ula, Swedish girl. Anyway, um, that went on for a while and um, while I was auditioning on the strips, all this was happening at the same time in Vegas, okay? Odd jobs here and there while auditioning for different jobs, you know? And then uh, that's when I went to the MGM, I auditioned, uh, no job because there were no black dancers in the show at that time, male dancers at the time, okay? This was like I said in 77, 78. And then next year when the MGM Grand in Reno opened, um, I got a call where injecting black dancers in that, nine of them. I was one of the nine. And, yeah. Did you go in, cool. the I in? Were you in the first huh? cast? Were you no, I was not in the first. I came in after. Okay. I came in right after. Because okay. I think the show, uh, the whole thing opened in 79. And yeah. I, I was, uh, but I wasn't there in the first half. I was there in the, like, while it was running. Because I remember I was injected in the show little by little. I had to learn each number one by one. I learned the number and I was injected in, learned another one, injected in until I had all those numbers under my belt and I was doing the whole show. I remember yeah. that. 
Yeah. Yeah, that was my my like I said, I was the black sheep all along the way. I was in solo everywhere. The audition, the injection into the show, everything. It was all happening before I even got there. I had to blend in. Yeah. So yeah. I remember that that you guys were so unique because I, I that was my first show I'd ever done. But it was just because yeah. you guys were oh you had different choreography than the rest of the yeah, dancers. Did, yeah. Your choreography I, this is the one I wanted to because I was like so love that, <laughs> like, especially Heat Wave where it was like ribs. Heat wave, yeah, Heat Wave was cool. Yeah, I felt like you guys. Heat Wave was uh, frantic and cool. Heat Wave was something else. Heat Wave is why I hurt my knee, by the way. Oh, yeah. We had really fast turn. This turn we used to do there. We used to go boom, 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 like that. A turn we did there, and that's where my knee, I, my foot, I, start, I stepped on a sticky spot on the stage, and it just went. Oh. As a matter of fact, I have pictures of me wearing a band around that knee for a long time after that to support it. Did you keep dancing, or did you have to take some you time off? Dance. You, you, know, you know what it was like. You don't stop. I yeah, unless you're, you're broken. <laughs> yeah. yeah, broken or not broken, you dance. You finish the show and then yeah. you limp off stage and you come back. Yeah, that was that. Yeah. You know, that's what I didn't want to perpetuate in my dance career. Which because we're gonna you hurt yourself back. a lot. Yeah, because we're going to come uh, back okay. to this. I love where that took you. So what was so your... So like I said, I did... Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Tell I was just more experience of what it was like to be in that show and that you guys had a different... Um, Oh, uh, we had different costumes. We did different things. Period. Like I told you, we didn't mix a lot with the white dancers. A lot. Yeah. I mean, we went back and forth. There were little communications, like with the special one or two, or the girls, because the girls love the black dancers and all that stuff. Also, they love coming because they thought the black dancers were funny. They were animated, you know. So it was back and forth like that. But we didn't really mix, you know, like I said, you know, you said you were the tall news and the guys were over there, white guys there, and then the black guys in their own role, you know, it was like yeah. totally segregated. Yeah. Even in a show like that, it was totally segregated. Yeah. That's why I just remember you guys had your row and I, because I danced with Yuri and I, and I was in uh, disco with, with your line, which was way fun, but that was the only way. <laughs> Saw you guys, or or taking dance classes outside of the show. Exactly. Uh -huh. Yeah. Go and never see the people on the other side. But I felt like you guys were particularly aside somewhere. Like I would wave, like, oh, that's we that. <laughs> no, we were just over there in another dressing room. We, like I said, we had our own line. You know, like you had a line, the lines. We had our own line. Where it was just us. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did you feel part of the show or welcome the show or did you sense it? I mean. We were, that, that's the strange thing about the show. As big yeah. as it was, you know, as huge and there was something, there was still something very personal about it. It was never impersonal. I guess because we were all dancers, we all were all young, crazy artists, and we kind of understood, um, we understood each other's energy, uh, each other's love for just being on stage, for dancing, for expressing our art. I think. I think we were just all artists coming together and understanding each other. The show was like we were not all together as far as the show goes like that, but like separate de dressing rooms and all the stuff. But at the same time, we all, I don't think we all, I think we all felt like we knew each other. We didn't feel like strangers. Yeah. We, you know, we're, just, you know, we're all in the same boat here, guys. Let's have fun. That was it. You know, I mean, look at those crazy things we did going to shows and doing our own thing. 
outside. I mean, I think it was just the artistic thing. These crazy, yeah. young, artistic, foo-foo people. Uh, <laughs> it didn't matter where we were as long as we were just doing something together. And that, that togetherness was always there in spite of that segregated atmosphere. You know? Well, that's, yeah. That's what I think at the Hello Hollywood reunion when I was talking to you, like, there were people that I didn't know if I worked with them or not, that it didn't matter if we were there the same year. There was something of this camaraderie, like, we were part of that. And it was fun, yeah. like, I met people like you and other people that I didn't get a chance to work with, but I feel like we were all on the show at the same time, which isn't possible. Yeah, right? It's kind of but, weird because... <laughs> yeah, there, there is that family bond of, like, also because yeah, and that, and that was always there from beginning to end, and it's just like something that'll all be always be there. I don't think it was even about the show anymore. It was about people coming together uh, to share a common experience. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was you know? really cool. So More than anything else. Yeah, yeah, and that's the part that still lasts. Yeah. Um, so after that, like you didn't stay that long like i i think you said you did a six month i had a one year i didn't even know there was shorter contracts so you did a six month contract and then yeah, went there away were shorter contracts. there were shorter contracts yeah um uh there were shorter contracts and um then i left and like i said i went to santa cruz california um stayed there for a while for about a year that's when i created my that's when i actually started putting my dance style and a fitness method together actually while I was in Santa Cruz for that year. I was even teaching it at the MGM before I left. I used to teach a little bit, give some movements to some of the dancers. I was doing this like all my life. The body, the human body, I know. I even started teaching exercises backstage. I had that going on also for one or two people. Like I could fix people, you know? Yeah, because I remember like what was so bizarre about how big that stage was. You would yeah. do the show with 150 people and then you'd have two hours in between where some people would go have dinner but a lot of times there would be dance class like you could have yeah. four classes on that stage at the same time and have room and yeah. not hear music were you because i remember i was like oh i'm gonna take tap tonight or i'm gonna take african or I would, like we had the choice to dance with no i didn't do that i was i was the fitness guy i was the you guy that the fixed broken bones i'm the guy I, that tried to address and realign people <laughs> you know, i wish that i had had connected with you back then and taken advantage of that. I was doing it all the way back then. I was really? still doing it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. When I, got to, when I got to Santa Cruz, I started another school. I rented a space in a Santa Cruz Ballet, and I started classes again, and um, I named it. I named my uh, I named my fitness method, I named it Tonicize. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, Tonicize. This is Nate. If you had Tonicize, that was me. I don't care what anybody says. They stole right. it since then. But <laughs> I named it at the time Tonicize. And uh, that was the same time that like, you heard Jazzicize coming out. All the eyes, eyes coming out at that time in the 80s, okay? Yeah. Very old. That's <laughs> it. And then, um, and then, okay, well, I got bored. Like I said, I wanted to dance still. And um, Bill DeAngelis always told me I had a job for as long as I wanted in Hollow Hollywood Hello. He told me himself. Yeah. I just didn't want a job. Yeah, well, I was good at what I did. But <laughs> there I go again. But I didn't want a job for a long time. Can you imagine doing the same show twice a night, six nights a week for years and years? I couldn't do that. I, I, I wouldn't even want it for life. Even though I was offered it for life, I wouldn't want it for life. 
but I did enjoy the time I had doing that. It was challenging, but in a nice way. Uh, I think I grew up a lot just doing the show, but hmm, no. So when I got back, I got back in ease. I remember calling again. I called, I called and I said, I'd like to come back and do the show. Nobody said no. They said, okay. But you know why? Because it's easier to take someone back in who already knows the show than to try to train somebody. Yeah. So I was taking it right away. I came back and I just literally walked back into the show. Wow. You know, you, I, yeah. The, the, well, yeah, because you had the same track, so there was no, you didn't have to yeah, learn. Yeah, same track, same everything. It's the same show. I mean, I knew it already. <laughs> when I came back. So I did that for a while. That didn't last long. And like I said, um, then I met, uh, actually I met Diane before. Yeah, no, I met her after, yes. Then I met Diane and we got together and um, she was the principal singer at the time. She, yeah, Diane Peterson. Yeah. And uh, we fell for each other. We were even going to get married. Never happened. Hmm. You know? Anyway, the reason I even ended up in Europe is it's all about us. Uh, her, you know, not going to go into details about one. That one stays in the family. And uh, <laughs> we can have a daughter together. You know that, don't you? I did not know that. Yeah, well, yeah. I didn't know it myself until like, uh, I think it was like, what, 13 years later. Oh, so wow. You have a daughter, Claire. You oh. must have met Claire. Um, Was she at the reunion? I probably I think she was at one of them. She might have, I don't know. Well, she wasn't at that one. No, Diane was, but I knew she was at one reunion or something. Anyway, that's a long time because now she's 30-something. She's somewhere in California right now. I saw her a couple of years ago. Anyway, that's not a part of all this. That came out of being a part of the show, which a lot, you know, happens a lot of people get married, family, blah, blah, blah. Didn't happen with me. I went to France. And uh, my going to France was a silly, very silly, uh, romantic uh, love story involving Diana and me. And that's how I ended up in Europe. Uh, like I said, in uh, 1983, uh, Paris, about 7.30 in the morning in the Pigalle area, I called her and we broke up long distance on the telephone. Um, she made me believe that she had lost the baby and uh, remember the words, if you love me, leave me in peace. And that's how we broke up long distance. Oh. So, oh. And I, yeah, so I remember, because I wasn't planning on staying there, but I had nowhere to go after that. I had no reason to come back. So yeah. I just haunted Paris for a couple of months. I can't even tell you what happened. You heard about the broken man? That was a destroyer. Yeah. I didn't care about anything anymore. Yeah. So some months later, when I finally woke up into the life again, I can't explain what happened in between. <laughs> woke up into life again, I found a little gig in a little uh, black theater in Paris, uh, called the Fiat Noir. I was able to get a job teaching jazz there, uh, modern dance. Uh, and I started teaching again. This was in 19... March of... This is in March of 1983. I started teaching again. And that's why I met my third wife, Joy. Fiat Noir. <laughs> Long story again. We're not going to go into all that. We need a anyway. whole podcast on your love life. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And then, okay, we had two kids and everything else, uh, working in Paris, struggling in Paris, you know, we were still the struggling artist still, you know? Yeah. Um, so while I was in Paris, I was looking for work elsewhere, still teaching, you know, in the world even. I, they had this app. 
you can look for dancing jobs around the world. And you just put in your name and everything else and apply for these jobs. So I remember I did this, and um, when I got the job in Corsica, there was a, I found a job in Corsica. There was a squash club opening, and they wanted to hire a professional dance teacher to teach jazz. And the, they had a built a dance room, a room, a, a dance with mirrors in a beautiful place, just to have dance lessons and fitness lessons in the back of the squash club. Oh, that's so bizarre. They hired me. Yeah, they hired me for that, yeah. Uh, and um, I remember the time I had the choice between going there or going to Japan for the same job. But the kids, my kids then were like really small. My youngest, she was still in a little carriage and everything else, balanced. So, you know, I figured it's no time to go jumping around the world. So I took the job in Corsica in 1988 and moved there with the kids and stayed there for 11 years. I worked with the Squash Club for a couple of years, found another job to sustain me and the family and everything else. And then I, uh, very soon, I opened my own school. I built it myself. I found a place, a brand new building, concrete gray. I had to put everything in electrical, plumbing, mirrors, floors. I put in floors myself. I did everything myself in there. Okay? It was, it was a beautiful studio. It was mine. I built it with my own two hands. It was beautiful. Show you some pictures sometime. And like I said, I did that for a while and then uh, left that after a while. Long story short again. <laughs> and um, I left that and went to Toulouse. Oh. Uh, spent, about, spent about a year and a half in Toulouse, two years. Still teaching. I still found means to teach, give a few classes in Toulouse, dance, fitness classes while I was working, because I'm also an electrician, plumber. I do electrical and plumbing work and upholstery work and carpentry work. These are things that I do. That's why right now I'm a general contractor in New York City. License. I do this. It's for a living. Yeah. But uh, I did this on the side, okay? And then after Toulouse, I moved to Bordeaux. Oh, while I was in Toulouse, um, I found work working in a, a, a school ran by some African guy, I remember. And it was during that time we even went to Spain, had a workshop in Spain. and There are videos of all that. I'll show them to you later. Anyway, uh, then after Toulouse, went to Bordeaux. Uh, stayed in Bordeaux for a couple of years or so. And then from Bordeaux, I came back to the United States. Where now you're living in New York, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I would love, because you said something when we were talking earlier that just, I would love for you to really uh, bring that part to light of that dancers don't have to kill their body. And what you kind really of. You don't have to because I, like I told you also earlier, that I studied um, the human body. It's been an interest of mine all my life. So I've always studied it. I knew it well, inside and out. So by the time I got around to dancing, I knew it was good for me and not good for me what should be done and what shouldn't be done. I already knew it already before yeah. I got into dancing. And when I started feeling little pains and stuff from doing what these people were giving me to do, because, hey, you're a dancer, you follow, you do what the choreographer tells you to do. Uh, like I said, I almost like dropped dancing because of it, but I realized, no, I love dance, creating my own dance, because I can show you videos, videos of, my, of me dancing where people would come up and want to touch me because they thought I wasn't real. And it had nothing to do with crazy acrobatic stuff, okay? It was just things done 
in a very controlled, aware way that astound people. How do you do that? You know, you don't have to destroy yourself to dance. Dance can be beautiful without going crazy. Yeah. Dance is not about, yeah. You don't. And I think the years that we do, I, I have had two hip replacements, but like almost all the kicks are on the right side and then slamming into the yeah, split. How many kicks? that too. Yeah, and you're off lopsided because you mostly do one side of There's things. That, no, you always do one side. Yeah. And that's another bad thing about it also. It's like being on one side of the stage or the other. I mean, like, mm. huh? Yeah. You're doing one side always. Yeah. You know, so uh, that, uh, no, I mean, like I said, it took me a long time to realize uh, this. And when you look around the world, there's so many different dance styles. And they're all beautiful. Um, and I see a lot of dance styles where you don't destroy your bodies. A lot of, like, the Oriental stuff, they do these fantastic isolated type movements with their bodies, their hands, their fingers. All of it is aesthetically pleasing and beautiful and controlled, but it doesn't break them. And it's beautiful to watch. It's peaceful to watch. It's like, I mean, you know, like when I see people doing modern dance and all this stuff, now I'm going like, okay, they all look the same. Give me some kind of cultural something over here. They yeah. all have the same school. You know, I prefer watching, uh, um, what do you call it, ethnic dance? Because it's so different, it's so earthy, it's so natural, it's so really from within. It's not it's from within. It's like dancing from inside out, you know? Yeah. Well, in your, I'm going to call you out on your age because you're 67 and I've been following you on Facebook. And the other day I took out, so I've done a few of your videos because you'll post, and if you're okay letting people know where that is, but I've done a yeah. few of them. And I did like probably maybe 12 in a row and I felt like my I feel like my whole body was warmed up and strengthened without like, okay, now I did too much. Like I felt like the way you balance, because I feel like dance, we tend to train, like I got to get long hamstrings and we neglect the quads or we work on our back. Yeah. And I feel like we get, we train so lopsided. And so doing your, your conditioning, I felt like very mm -hmm. thorough, but I felt like, oh, I feel that enhances to like, okay, I'm going to pay for this tomorrow. But what, looking at this, your, your physique of watching every muscle move, it's like, I want to say cat-like, because it's so yeah. isolated, you don't get to just, you don't just see like an arm here and there. You get to see the whole beautiful where things come from. I always emphasize that for my students when they're moving, because I've had some talented students in my class. One of them, I keep on telling her, I said, Rodra, you've got great talent, you move great, but now you need to learn to move with control and awareness. Don't yeah. Just Oh, don't just throw the movement out there, put it there. Ooh, that that's, okay, you know? that needs yeah. to be a t-shirt right there. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, it's so important because there's no need to destroy yourself. And like I said, I see it all the time and I'm going like, come on, people. And well, they look at me also, they realize they don't have to when they see me doing it. Right. But I have a hard time teaching people to move like I do because it's it demands so much concentration to move, control, to do that. And I don't know, how do you get that across to people? To, to control yourself, be aware. It's only because I'm aware. Totally, even sitting here, I know what my shoulder's doing, what my toe is doing, my knee, my elbow, the back, tummy. I know what everything is doing, I'm aware of it. Because you should be, damn, I'm awake here. I'm like, I'm not sleeping, I got a brain. And I'm conscious. You should be conscious of where you're at 24/7. That I don't know. yeah, 
And I feel like even doing these interviews on quarantine, where we have more time to be with ourselves and our body, yeah. that there could be a time yeah. of really reconnecting and doing our art out of that. Huh. Yeah. Well, you said two I mean, things always... that, I think that are yes. super important to highlight is that you don't have to be a starving artist and you don't have to destroy your body because I think the way dancers are treated is we are like the sets or the we're, we're part of it, but like dancers need to honor their own self-worth and their own art so that other people don't just like use it as a, you're just a prop. Exactly. And when they start doing this, they're going to get so much more out of their art and from themselves. Yeah, that's beautiful words of wisdom. And also when it's spoken from someone who's lived it a long time, when you've got, you know, 30 something Ooh, yeah. girls talking about, when you've got someone who's still moving beautifully in their 60s, you got to take mm -hmm. that serious. You have to say, okay, there's something unique of this person's actually lived with their, what they're saying. And it's evident how they hold themselves and how they move. And yeah, it's beautiful. So I, like, I love watch, doing the exercises with you, but I just want to sit and watch and go, oh my gosh, look at his latissimus dorsi right there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> those are the things. Yeah, as a, this is what I want. Yeah, this is okay. what I want for everybody. I want everybody to feel these muscles. I want everybody to become that aware of all these muscles in their bodies. This is what I'm striving to do. That's all I want to do. Yeah. Not just for me, because I feel so great feeling this. I just, that I want to share, you know? And I'm just trying to find a way of doing it. Which is so, it can be non-dancers, and then for those dancers who kind of forgot yeah. that connection to their body, that it yeah. can be any age you get to like, Come back. You see, you, said, you just said the magic word. They forgot the connection with their bodies. Yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of like used they, as a tool to get you on stage, and then it's not been really, you have not been embodied, but you, yeah, it's there. Yeah. Sometimes it comes yeah. later for dancers. It doesn't come in when they're just like, I'm going to kick until I can't walk anymore. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, but that that's just it. Uh, they're not trained to be feeling moving human beings they're trained to be machines that's it yeah yeah and that's too bad and that yeah. is too bad that's what i think when that's you're working well then working After with a teacher oh sorry this is the fun thing of zoom <laughs> but i know what you offer your students is you're offering them something that a lot of dance teachers have not offered to their students like that that comes from a deeper awareness of yourself not like do as i teach yeah. you but how do you how do you yeah. connect yourself and I, I always say don't just like you need to take something you mimic for a while but then after a while you need to take it and make it your own don't yeah. just blindly do it. you need to take it and and be aware of what it's doing to your body it might not, not even totally correspond to what your body feels or needs in that case, take it and modify it. I don't teach people to be robots. I'm going like, I'm giving you a tool. Now, this is how you use the tool. This is why you use the tool. But if it doesn't fit your needs, work with it. Or even throw it out. Yeah. This so is I have what a I question. Well, then you had this awareness back in the 80s before most of us did. Yeah. We're gonna, oh, yeah. We're going right. to wrap up here. But one of the things of doing this show, you know, two shows a night, six nights a yeah. week for long, you can be a robot. Like, what did you do to be present for every show and still honor your body and not change choreography? Because you can't, like, I'm going to do it this way. You have to 
still do. I know you can't. I had a I had a really hard time doing that. Yeah. Being that much aware of what was going wrong, I really had a hard time doing that. And uh, <laughs> what I did was I just did the old discipline thing. Dance is discipline. We gotta make it through this. And guess what? It is a show. There are people out there paying for this, and they're happy when they see something nice. They, those people are really happy. The people, you know what it was that drove me, the people, the audience. Yeah. All, that's, that's why I became a dancer. That's why I wanted to dance on stage. It wasn't for me, basically. It was for me, but it's for what I got from the audience. So whenever I got on stage like that, I thought about the audience. And th yeah. I thought about what I, was giving them, what I was giving them. And I wanted to give them my best. Yeah. That's it. I, I don't know. It's, it's that simple, really. Well, and then you can see there's people that have basically checked out. They're doing the show, but they're not present, you know, and there's the yeah. people that. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you can see that. Yes, you yeah. can. You can really see it. Yeah. And I never wanted to be that. No. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah. So that was basically it. Just uh, uh, I'm a dancer. A dancer is, uh, they say a dancer, there's somebody that, or a show person is somebody that makes people dream. Okay, I agree with that. It's great to be able to make people dream. Why not? That's kind of like a kind of a power to be able to make people dream. So there was that also, that power of being able to make people dream. And that made me feel powerful. That is the most perfect way to end this. That is, that's going to kind of just float in the air for a while of just like okay. just holding on to that. Arthur, that was beautiful. You're just a beautiful human. And I like when we talked at the reunion, that crowded room, I was like peeing in on you. I'm like, there was just something that just like, I could talk to you for hours, but because I think it is, you're so present and you just yeah. offer like this, like welcoming, but expansion. I'm probably babbling, but there is something that's hard to put words to, but I was, it was fun to find you on Facebook. And, and I would, uh, when we do the show notes on this, well, maybe if you're okay, people yeah. coming to your page, and trying your all right. I mean, yeah, those short workouts are like, if you did a little of those every day, it would totally change your body and how you exist in your body. Yeah, and the important thing about those workouts is like, they are workouts for everybody, not just for dancers. Some of them are difficult, okay, I do that on purpose, but they're basically for everybody. And once again, not for everybody. That's why you have variations on the same of the same movements because certain movements doesn't work the same way on certain bodies so you have to adapt and i've always been looking for movements that will work on that body type that body type and well you you see what i do is like i explain sometimes when i put them out there what they're for and i say do it as many times as you need yeah uh, and that's it i can't say do as many as i want there are some exercise I would say, I would recommend doing it so many times, but some I would say, do them as often as you need for as, as long as you need. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm so happy to connect with you and um, thank you for taking the time to do the interview and quarantine life is weird, but it's also yeah. offering a little bit of time to connect with people that we normally know couldn't and like- Exactly. And, yeah, we all have something in common there's, there's, here. There's good in everything. There's no such thing as, just good or bad. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a world. Right. Good, bad yeah. gives us a balance, which gives us life. Yeah. Okay, we'll leave on those words of wisdom because that was also okay. Cool. Good. Mm -hmm. Good. <laughs> I mean, okay, Sherry, it's really good. Like uh, talking with you though. 
so good to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you, my friend. We'll stay Bye. in touch. Bye. Okay, see ya. Bye.